Welcome to the New Life Baptist Podcast. Our mission is to love the Great Commandment, live the Great Commission, and lead one more to Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you are encouraged today as we dive into God's Word. Amen. As you do find your seats this morning, let me invite you as we continue to worship together. Let's take the Word of God, open the Word of God, and turn in the Word of God to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. And as you're turning and finding 2 Thessalonians, this will wrap up today, our last message in our summer series, Dear Church, looking at the letters of Paul to the church. Next Sunday, we're going to start in the fall for our series in Mark. And so I'm really excited. I've been looking ahead already about Mark and getting together in the Gospel of Mark with you. And next Sunday, of course, as we do when we kick off a new series in a book, we will have the Scripture Journals. And so next Sunday, they'll be available for you guys, first come, first serve. We'll have a a certain number for y'all to come and grab, and those will just be the Word of God. And it'll be a way for you to follow along in our series together as we walk through the Gospel of Mark. So we're excited about that. Excited about 2 Thessalonians here this morning. And as you were were praying, um, we have about a quarter mile from here on this building all the way down to our offices. And I forgot my notes. And while we were praying, our student pastor, Caleb McElyay, he ran down there and got it before we got done praying. And he, y'all give him a big hand because that's, that's Olympic trial time. I think you should qualify for the Olympics, my man. You did that so fast, and I appreciate you doing that. We were in 1 Thessalonians last Sunday. And in 1 Thessalonians, we were introduced, and you can go read back. There's two separate events that Paul mentions in that letter, 1 Thessalonians. He mentions the coming of the Lord, and then he mentions a second event called the day of the Lord. These are two different events. The coming of the Lord is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us that Christ will return for his church. He's going to gather his church in the air, right? So we understand this in 1 Thessalonians 4, often known as the rapture. He's going to gather his church. And then the day of the Lord is a second event. It's when Christ returns to the earth, not the air, but the earth, and he comes back with his church. All right, so they've already been gathered. He's, he's already established them. He's already gathered the ones that belong to him. He's, he's brought them to where he is. But then he comes back to set up his rule and his reign on earth with his church. And so those are two different events. And, and I love that the word of God explains that to us because God tells us exactly what's going to happen next. There's nothing else that needs to happen for the return of Christ. There's no other prophetic event or other timetable that needs to, to, to come true than, than Christ coming back to get his church. And so we can live with great confidence because we have certainty that gives us comfort. Right? We have certainty in the return of Christ that gives us great comfort that our God will come for us again. And we can live in confidence today because of the confidence that we have tomorrow. And so we live today. I'm ready for Jesus. I'm ready for him to come back. And I'm filled with hope. And I'm called now to be focused on holiness. Those are the two ways I wait, filled with hope and focused on holiness. So let's stand for the reading of God's word today and see this coming, this day, this great strength that we have to have no fear of the future. It says in verse 1, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, again, that coming of the Lord event, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be coming from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come 
unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. All right, we're going to walk through that in a minute, but I'm going to wait till you can sit down in case you're like, I need to take notes on this, all right? Because there's a lot there. It says in verse 5, Do you not remember that when I was with you still, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining him, that man of lawlessness, now that he may be revealed in his time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth. As God spoke creation into existence, right? That's the same way he's going to have all victories, always by the word, the breath, his mouth, and bring to nothing the appearance of his coming. The coming of a lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is the word of God. Let's take a moment, if you will, with me. Let's submit and surrender our lives to his authority over us. Father, we come before you this morning recognizing, God, what you have done. But God, we're also focused on what you will still do. And so, God, we come with great hope this morning in your word and your truth, and we ask that the Holy Spirit will reveal, Lord Jesus, your truth to us. God, as we study, as we submit, and as we surrender to your word, God, may your Lord Holy Spirit work in us. God, we commit our lives to you. We ask in the name of Jesus that the things that we don't know that you will teach. God, the things that we don't have, you will give. And God, who we are not, make us. For your glory, for your name. In Christ we pray. And God's church says, amen. As you find your seat, I'm going to invite you again to find the backside of your worship guide. We're going to plug in some blanks as we go along together, walking together through the Word. And we're going to see what it means to really have this, this confidence in Christ to stand firm. right? To stand firm when the world is shaken, to not be quickly shaken, as the Word says, to not be easily deceived, but to stand firm. We're, we're called to be firm in our faith, to be firm in His faithfulness. And so we're going to see two things in the Word of God here today. I want you to first of all see a firm belief prevents deception. That's the very first thing. We see a firm belief. It prevents us from being deceived. It prevents deception. Back in our text, verse 1, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, it says, to not be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or spoken word or a letter seeming to come from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So again, remember the context. These believers have been taught that the coming of the Lord to gather his church was going to happen before the day of the Lord. All right? Two different events, two different moments. And so that wasn't truth, a, a, an if truth, it wasn't a maybe truth, it was an absolute truth. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. For his church, he is coming for his believers, and he will gather his people together with him. And that's why you can go back to John 14 and read about, he says, if it weren't true, would I have even told you about these things? No, I tell you these things because they are true. And so Jesus says, I will go to prepare a place for you, and then when it's ready, when the Father sends me, whenever his timeline is perfect, I will come for you. 
So he promises that, and the church knew that. But apparently, what the context here, someone impersonated Paul. Someone wrote them a letter and said, no, y'all missed it. Y'all missed the, the coming of the Lord. And in fact, y'all are now living in the day of the Lord. And they're sitting here thinking, worried, they have missed the return of Christ. That's where these believers are. They think they're sitting in the judgment of the tribulation, that there's no way for them now to have hope that all of a sudden Jesus has left them behind, right? They're, they're living in a Kurt Cameron movie, left behind, and they're wondering how are they going to make it, right? They're lost, they're scared, they're full of fear, and they have felt like they have missed the day or the coming of the Lord. You ever been left out? You ever been left behind? I can remember distinctly a moment of being left behind by my dad and my two older brothers. We grew up in the Dallas area, and they were going to a Texas Rangers baseball game, and I was not going to go. And I was so mad. I was so disappointed. I was just a small, small kid at that time. And I, I remember this moment only because, I remember only getting left behind because of my actions. I threw a huge fit. I sat on the windowsill of my house. And, and, and in my opposition and, and in my objection, I leaned back against the screen, and I fell out of the house into the bushes. That's where I landed. That's where my fit landed me because I was scared I had been left behind. I was scared that I had been left out. And these people right here, they were full of fear. They were troubled, it says, in their spirit. And they were ultimately, they were deceived. That's why they had fear. That's why they felt like they had been left behind because they were easily deceived. They were shaken. In other words, their fretfulness about the future was a direct result about their forgetfulness of the word of God. They were fretful because they were forgetful. And that's what led to their deception, and that's the danger of deception that makes us forget what we already know in the word of God. That's the danger of you being deceived into fear and you being deceived into worry is it causes us preventable fear. It causes us preventable anxiety. It causes preventable discouragement. And so I want you to see two things, two points of application right here. Number one, we see that deception, it robs our peace and it ruins our perspective. Deception robs you of peace and then it ruins your perspective. Because go to, to verse three. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. And so he's saying that hasn't happened yet because the, the, the Antichrist has not been revealed. He hasn't come. And so you know that this order has not occurred just yet. So you haven't missed out on anything, but you've been deceived because you forgot. And so he says deception will rob you of peace and ruin your perspective because I want you to think about how many times we allow fear to steal our joy. How many times that we allow um, um, worry and doubt to rob us of peace. And I want you to think about, sometimes I'll let other people's worries and other people's fears and other people's doubts steal my joy too. I'm like, oh, I'm, I, should, I guess I should be worried about that. I didn't know they were worried about that. Now I should be worried about that. We allow all kinds of things to rob us of joy, to steal our peace. And when you go back and read Matthew chapter 6, Jesus points out two problems with worry. It doesn't actually change anything. And most of the things we worry about never actually take place. I don't know about you, but I worry about all kinds of things that have never actually come true. I worry about things that will never actually come to fruition. And they're sitting here worried about something that isn't true, something that will not come true. And so we can worry about all we want about tomorrow, but guess who holds our tomorrow? God. And they were putting their trust, they were putting their hope in the wrong thing into deception. That's why Paul wants to reassure these believers. Hey, I'm going to write to you to reassure you, you haven't missed out. Remind yourself the word of God because deception crept in and it created division 
It created disunity, it created discord, and it created disruption. That is the problem with deception. It creates all kinds of problems when we do not remind ourselves the truth of God's word. And so deception robs our peace and ruins our perspective, and we avoid misery when we focus on the message. You and I can avoid misery when we focus on the message. Because look in verse 5. It says, Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Do you not remember that I preached to you, that I taught you these things, and I, I gave you the truth of God's word? And so if you want a life that is free of fear of the future, I'm going to challenge you this way. Devote your life to knowing the word of God and devote your life to keeping the word of God in front of you. All right, you want to live a life free of fear, a life free of worry and anxiety. You need to know the word and you need to keep the word. Psalm says it is a light unto our feet. It is a lamp unto our path. And we don't know when, when we're scared, when it's dark, we see that the word of God prevents us from getting lost. It prevents us from, from not knowing the way. God's word, it is living. God's word, it is lasting. God's word is loving. God's word is leading. And God's word is liberating. All right, it helps us be free from the things of this world. And so we need to know the word. And now I just want to help you understand this, that there's no substitute but scripture for your life and your security. There's no substitute in your life for your security other than scripture. You need scripture to be secure. You need to hold on to the truth to know that the God who is in the details of your future, you can trust him in the disruptions of your present. You can know that God, who's got all the details worked out in your future, you can trust him in the disruptions of your present, but it comes through you knowing the word. All right, you need to know the word. You need to keep the word. You need to obey the word. You need to see that the word is there for you to know what God will do. Because this hasn't come true yet. All right, they were waiting on this Antichrist, and they were waiting on this day of the Lord, and they were waiting on that, but the coming of the Lord hasn't happened yet, and we're still waiting on the coming of the Lord today. And so we're waiting on that to come to fruition, but they are being fretful because they are being, again, forgetful. And so a firm belief, it prevents deception. But here's the second thing. A firm belief also prevents discouragement. It also prevents us from being discouraged. Go to verse 6. He says, and you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. Let me just stop right there in verse 6. Uh, and I want to just remind you what's going on in verse 4, right? In verse 5, we see this all coming to fruition. What we understand to, in, from the word of God is that there's something called the tribulation. All right? That is when Christ comes. And depending on your view, um, we understand this, Christ will come. All right, and so we're going to know that Christ is going to come. He's going to gather his church, and there's going to be a seven-year period. You go back and read Daniel. Go back and read Revelation. This is kind of where I wanted to pause and let you take some notes on You're like, all right, what does all this mean? There's going to be a seven-year period after the coming of the Lord, right? When he comes back and gathers his church, a seven-year period. And three and a half years into that seven-year period, it says the man of lawlessness that we're reading right here, the Antichrist, he is going to, what is he going to do? He's going to set up a place of worship for himself in the temple of God. Right? Somehow he's going to unite the whole world, bring them all together underneath one leadership, under one system, right? And then he's going to make himself king. And he's going to oppose God. And he's going to set up his rule, his reign in the temple of God to show that. And then that starts the second half of the tribulation called the Great Tribulation. Right? Again, Revelation, Daniel. You need to go back and read. It's all right there for us to know exactly what's going to happen. And that's when all kinds of, truly, hell will break loose. 
Right, so we see that in verse 6. Let's go in verse 7 and continue. It says, For the mystery of the lawless one, he is our lawlessness, is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. Who is he that's going to be out of the way? We're going to get to that in a moment. And in the lawless one, he says, He will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill. So this man really doesn't have much power or much authority, this Antichrist, who will not have much to, to really bat bag himself on, but with the breath of the mouth of the Lord Jesus and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Now the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power, false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Now here's what we know again about the Antichrist. It says right here in this text, and you can also back this up when you cross-reference Daniel, especially Daniel 7 through the end, and Revelation starting in 19, you see some of that there. The lawless one is going to be revealed, but he will also be restrained. All right, he will be restrained. And what, what do you mean by that? What are, what are you making a distinction there for? Because people throughout history have been fixated on the identity of the Antichrist. We're always trying to find the Antichrist, right? We're always trying to write a book about, here's why I think XYZ is the Antichrist. And we will give reasons why, and we'll try to use all kinds of scripture to back that up. But all kinds of people have written books that, guess what? Those people have come and lived and died, and they haven't been the Antichrist. And so it's impossible for us to know the identity of the Antichrist until, right, all this comes to fruition. And so while he has not yet been revealed... Rest assured, Satan has already had an Antichrist ready in every generation. He's had one ready. Satan is at work. He is at bay. He is, again, being restrained, and they've all been held back because the Word of God says that the lawlessness has already been restrained by he who is in the way. And so he, who is he who is in the way? What is he, the he who needs to be out of the way? And, of course, we know that is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that needs to be out of the way for the man of lawlessness to come and for all hell to break loose. What do you mean by that? Well, the Holy Spirit is the one, it says in Genesis 6, he strives with sinners, brings us to salvation. He's the one who convicts us of sin, the one who convicts us of righteousness, the one who convicts us of judgment. Until the Holy Spirit gets out of the way and God makes a way, the Antichrist cannot come. And how is the Holy Spirit going to get out of the way? Well, Removal of the church. Removal of the Holy Spirit within spirit-filled believers. The spirit-filled church is going to have to leave this world. That's the coming of the Lord. And that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit leaves. It means the Holy Spirit in us leaves, right? We leave. And so first of all, the Holy Spirit can't leave. What do you mean by that? Well, it's impossible because the Holy Spirit is omniscient. He knows everything. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He is everywhere. There's nowhere that the Holy Spirit cannot be. There's nowhere you can go past, present, and future that God has not already existed, that God will not exist. So we know that he is everywhere. On top of that, you go back and read in Revelation, there's going to be a massive revival during the tribulation. You're like, all right, hold on, slow down, pump the brakes, I'm lost, all right? Revelation, I know we're not doing Revelation, we're doing the day and the coming of the Lord here, but I want you to see that during that time of tribulation, again, when all hell breaks loose, there will still be revival, 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from Israel will be saved. They'll become evangelists, and they're going to preach the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ for salvation. Millions of people will be saved as a result of God using them, of God filling them. And we know that that salvation, that is a work of who? The Holy Spirit. That's not a work of 144,000 people. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit will be here, but the Holy Spirit will remove 
the church. The Holy Spirit, God will gather, Jesus will gather his church, and that Holy Spirit now, until that time comes, when Jesus does come back, the Holy Spirit is restraining Satan and is holding back Satan from working his plan. Now, what does all that mean? Here's what that means. It's encouraging for us to know this. Satan is completely under God's authority. The devil is a devil on a leash, right? Even Job, you can go back and read Job, he had permission, right, to, to inflict upon Job. God ruled in sovereignty. God ruled in complete authority. He is a devil on a leash and never goes beyond the boundaries that God permits him to go. And the reason his revelation has been restrained is because all things operate not on Satan's timetable, because Satan doesn't have the will to do so. Everything operates according to Isaiah 46, according to God's timetable. We don't do anything on our own. We don't make decisions for God. God makes his decisions for us, right? We follow a sovereign God who loves us, and his timeline is according to his perfect will. His timeline for all these events are according to his perfect word. Not Satan, nor demons, nor human force can ever operate until God allows it. He is restrained. So God's plan, God's power, it controls all things, including Satan's very destruction. Notice that his entire rule and reign will be brought to a very quick and complete destruction just by the appearance of Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? That when Jesus shows up, Satan disappears. That when Jesus shows up, all hell is defeated. That when Jesus shows up, all things, all sin comes to an end. And can I just encourage you and challenge you? It's the same, still true today. That when you allow Jesus to show up in your life, sin can be forgiven. When you allow Jesus to show up in your marriage, reconciliation can happen. When you allow Jesus to lead you, God can use you at school and at work. When you allow Jesus to be the author and the authority and the one that you give your life to, he will make all things work together for good. He will bring down addiction. He will bring down broken past. He will forge ahead a new path for you as you follow him in obedience. And he will give you the peace and the comfort that comes through the gift of his Holy Spirit. And so we see that when Jesus comes back, all things come under him. When Jesus shows up, he does a mighty work. So my question is for you today is this, has Jesus shown up in you? Because I've seen my sin forgiven. We just sang that, right? My future is heaven. I've seen my, my eternal destination be secure because when Jesus showed up in me. What about you? Sitting here today maybe with guilt, shame, secrets, would you allow Jesus to show up and put a quick end to all those things? You don't have to leave here today the same way you walked in. You don't have to leave today with the same baggage that you carried. Leave it. Leave it at the altar. Go and sin no more. Let Jesus show up in your life and never leave you the same. When we think about all this, and, and, and I know it's a lot to, to, to look at here just in, in one short period of time, but what you long for shapes what you live for. Right, what you're longing for will always shape what you're living for. If your heart and your life is set on Jesus, if your heart and your life is set on eternity, then you're going to live for Jesus. But if your heart, if your life is set on the things of this world, then you're going to live for the disappointment of the things of this world. That's the reality that we have is that we can gain the whole world and still lose our soul. And so Paul would write to this church, and still relevant for us today, long for Jesus. Look. For Jesus, live for Jesus, and do not grow weary in the waiting. 
Do not grow weary in the waiting. Do not grow deceived, but continue to have steadfast hope that God's promises will come true. There's a story of a pilot in the Air Force who completed over 300 missions. And as he was in the war in Iraq, and that war in Iraq came to an end, his commanding officer gave him the good news that he was going home. Right, the news that every soldier wants to hear when they're deployed. And so his crew, his company, they flew back to Massachusetts, and they all made a deal. Hey, we're all going to surprise our families. We're going to surprise our friends. No one's going to tell. All right, so you don't call my family. I won't call you. We're not going to post anything on social media. We're just going to go home and surprise all of our families. That was their pact. And so Robbie, this, this officer, he flew home, and he made his way home from Massachusetts to Pennsylvania. And when he pulled into the driveway... He saw a banner, welcome home, dad. And he was confused, right? Like, like he's like, wait, well, who told, right? Who shared the good news? Who, who ratted us out? Who broke the code? Who ruined the surprise? Because he had no idea that his family was expecting him. And so he walks inside and he sees his kids for the first time in a long time. They're getting ready for, for, for school that morning. And of course, you can imagine just that powerful reunion, right? To see your kids, the ones you've probably been FaceTiming, the ones you've just been seeing on video communication, through letters, whatever it may be. He is so happy to be home to see his kids. And then, boom, right around the corner comes his wife. All of her makeup's done. Her hair's all, all, all right. And then she's got a brand new dress on, and she is there to see her husband. And he stops and says, how did you know I was coming home? I was going to try to surprise you. Y'all, y'all were supposed to not know that I was going to come home to see you. And she said, I didn't didn't know you were coming home. Uh, We heard the news, just like you did, that the war in Iraq was over, and we knew from this point forward there was an opportunity that you were eventually going to come home any day. And so we have woken up every single morning since the news broke, put out the banner, got ready for school, got dressed. I put on the same dress. I've done my hair. I've done my makeup, and I've waited for you to walk in that door and come home. Church, that's a beautiful picture of what we need to look like. Every day, ready to look for Jesus. Every day, ready to live for Jesus. Every day, longing for Christ to work in our lives, that he would come and do a mighty work in us. He's coming again, and we're living ready. We're we're longing for that day. And so I want to challenge us as a church to wake up, according to the word of God, put on the spiritual armor of God, get dressed. And then every day, you long and live for his return, long and live for his power at work in your life. You long and live for his presence to be with you today and for eternity. We thank you for listening. Be sure to click the subscribe button on this podcast so you don't miss out on any and all of our future content. We pray you were encouraged by the word of God today. If you feel that the Lord is leading you to make a decision or have questions, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website at newlifebaptist.faith.